Hey, before we um, get rolling here, uh, just a reminder, Maggie mentioned it at the beginning of the service, but tomorrow we are kicking off a three-week media fast, all right? So some of you, I know, I see by the look on your face, you think I'm crazy. You think we're crazy, uh, and we are. Um, so just to alleviate the nerves, we're crazy. So this is absolutely countercultural, but uh, I would submit to us that the church should look a lot different than the world. And we've clarified over the last several weeks that we've been talking about this media fast, that we are not anti-media. In fact, we have someone on our staff that is the media director. And so we do realize this, the um, opportunity that, that is in this realm of our life called media and social media, whatever it is. But just want to encourage us, you know, for three weeks, like what, what could you lose if we disconnect from how, how much noise and just how much information is coming into us and fill that instead with just more time with the Lord, more time in his word, more time with his people. Just what will we, we won't miss out. We won't regret it. I want to encourage you to consider doing it. And the way you can um, engage is there's a website. I don't know if you have the other slide. Yes. So literally right there at the bottom right, it says antiochnw.org forward slash media fast. That's the way that you can best engage. And we have these really cool booklets. I don't know. Did you show them this morning? Yeah, you did. So really, really cool booklets. I mean, literally just do it for the booklet. I mean, it's amazing. I feel like it's just, just anyway, it's just a cool opportunity. Uh, but in it, we kind of journal through that each day of this fast. There's different prompts and questions you can journal and talk to God about, different passages in Scripture you can read. But I think it's going to be a huge win, and we're going to get a lot out of it. And we encourage you uh, to jump in and do it. All right? So there you go. You literally can go on that website right now as I'm starting my message, and you can just, oh, right, yeah, I want to get it. You want to get one of those cool booklets and, uh, and more than the booklet. I want us to receive all that God has for us uh, from this, this fast. So let me pray over that fast real quick, and then we'll get to the message. So, Jesus, we thank you so much for this opportunity to consider. And, Lord, I pray right now for every person that is completely resistant to this idea. Lord, I pray that the sound of my voice, there would be a softening in Jesus' name of hearts. And, God, we, want to miss, we don't want to miss out on anything you could have for us. And so, Lord, would you just invite us. You, you never condemn. You always invite. You invite us into things. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use this for your glory to meet with us over these next three weeks in really significant, profound ways, more than we're even expecting, Lord. Would you teach us? Would you realign us with you, with truth? Would you increase our discernment just with, with every wave of doctrine and teaching that is coming at us, not even from other and teachers, but just from media outlets, I pray that you would increase the discernment in this church so we know what is truth, and we know that you are the way, and you are the truth, and you are the life, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, we just pray a blessing of this and fruitfulness over this fast in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, let's keep going with this uh, series we've been in. And also, by the way, I see a few uh, new faces. Thanks for being here this morning. My name is Mitchell. If I haven't met you yet, I'm the lead pastor here at Antioch. I would love to connect with you after the service at the little connect booth. Come say what's up. We've got a little gift for you. So come say hi before you leave. Um, but this morning, we, we're going to wrap up a, a four-part series that we've titled, Therefore Go, taken from Matthew 28. Let me read our little passage here. It says, in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, it says this, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Everybody say, therefore go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is commonly referred to as the Great Commission, also referenced in all the Gospels in some way, and also in the book of Acts. We're going to look at a couple of those references in a second. But we are a church that wants to lean in to the Great Commission. Instead of the opposite of kind of sitting back, hoping it happens, 
We want to be a church that engages with this great commission. How many of you guys, before I just read this, how many of you are at least somewhat familiar with that passage of go and make disciples of all nations? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, awesome. Majority of us. If not, that's fine. But this is a clear command the Lord's given us to his people to go and to make disciples. I've been saying this every week for the last few weeks. You and I are in this room today because 11 guys took that command seriously. And they went into the world and they made disciples. And thankfully, through that, the gospel spread from the Middle East 2,000 years ago all the way over here to, America, to Europe. And then some guys on boats came, you know, the Mayflower, all that stuff, came over to America and, and brought the gospel. And there's still people all over the earth that have yet to hear. And I want us to continue this, take it seriously, us more than 11 in this room, take seriously this command and say, however we can, Lord, we want to align ourselves to be a part of this great commission. You guys want to be a part of it? You want to be a church that's a part of the great commission? Yes? Come on, come on. It's the only church I'll lead, guys. <laughs> so let's do it. Let's do it together. And, and what's so encouraging is that you are, you know, and it looks different for each person in this room. Okay, uh, I've told you before, not all of us are going to move our entire lives and live overseas. Some of you will, uh, but all of us can engage uh, we've been using this three-part phrase called pray, give, go. It's three words that are simple that help us engage. If we would be people that pray, that give, and that go, we can be a part of engaging with the Great Commission. You'll notice up here um, on the front, we've got some chairs. In just a minute, I'm going to do a little interview with some folks uh, that have had some experiences in different nations of the world. And so you guys are going to get to hear from them in just a minute. But, so I'm just kind of wetting your appetite here. So get ready. It's going to be good. But before, I want, to, I want to spend some time just connecting some dots for us about the Great Commission, us taking it seriously, and the ramifications of worldwide significant events. Okay, And there's a direct correlation, and sometimes these two things might seem distant, but I want to try to connect those dots for you. Okay, you guys ready? So I want to show you in Revelation a picture of what's to come. I literally, uh, like I said, I jump-started my message here, but I was planning on sharing some of this stuff. I want you to see where this, this life and history is going. I want you to all look. Revelation is an, a book of the Bible that's an amazing gift to the body of Christ, not because of how confusing it can be, but because it gives us a clear picture of what's to come. Okay, and so in the midst of a lot of details and dragons, what on earth, and just all sorts of things that might be in there, um, I want us to see that the main theme is not that complicated. The main theme is that Jesus wins, and the whole world will see that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. So that one thing is for sure. All the other details, just t tell me what you think, and then we'll figure it out, and I'll compare it with all the other thousands of people that think differently, and we'll try to figure it out together by the grace of God. But what's clear is that Jesus wins, and every tribe, tongue, people, and the whole world is going to see that he is the Savior of the world. All right? But let me show you this. In Revelation chapter 5, I want you to see where this stuff is going. Revelation 5, 9 and 10. I just read uh, parts of this earlier. It says, they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you, talking to Jesus, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Would you keep that up there just for a second? I want you to look at uh, when it gets to you ransom people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. That word every. Everybody say every. Every. In the Greek, this is a really complicated word. Every means every. 
It means literally every single tribe, language, people, and nation will be represented singing this song. Worthy are you, Jesus. Let's look at another passage, just two chapters later, Revelation 7, 9 through 12. And picture this. This is just glorious. This is awesome. It says, after this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number. From every, there's that powerful Greek word again, every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that an encouraging picture? <laughs> and it's just awesome to visualize and imagine. All these people, have, have you guys been in a really, really large crowd, but in a crowd that you couldn't number? I mean, you, I mean probably somebody could number it, but just Literally, this is a picture of, I would probably assume, millions upon millions upon millions of people, but they all don't look the same. Look, go ahead and look around this room for a second. Go ahead, just, just go ahead, peek, peek. We changed the, the uh, layout of this room so you could see each other a little better. Look around this room. All right, all right, cool. You see a few people that obviously we are all different from one another, but you'll also notice that a lot of us uh, are white, okay? So what's so cool, and that's great. And you should feel great about being white. It's awesome. Some of us are not, and that's, that's also fine. But I want you to just realize, like, th- though I think probably 99% of us in this room are American, like, heaven is not filled with only Americans. <laughs> okay? We should not feel bad about, I'm so glad I live in America. <laughs> so glad. But heaven is not filled with everyone that just looks and sounds like me and is from my nation. And my background. And so it's a simple reality, but I don't, I don't, I'm just putting words to the simple reality, the simple truth. Because it's helpful for us to know that <laughs> Jesus was not American. It's helpful for us to know that God is not American. Okay? He's a holy God that sits enthroned over all the nations of the world. Everywhere. <laughs> and he died for everyone in the world. Every tribe, tongue, language, people, every person, the, the smallest of villages in the jungles of South, Africa, South America or in, in Africa or in Asia, just all over the earth. You literally picture every different type of skin tone, ethnicity, language. Like there's coming a day when there will be at least some represent, representation from every one of these people groups on the planet. And what, what are they going to be doing? Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving, honor and power be to our God forever and ever. They're going to be singing. Saying, thank you for ransoming me with your blood. Thank you, Jesus. This this Jewish man that lived 2,000 years ago saved me halfway across the world growing up in the 2000s in America. Woo, that's amazing. This Jesus, this Jewish man that lived 2,000 years ago, saved me even though I'd lived in the jungles of North Africa. Wow. Jesus, he's worthy. I just want you to picture it on purpose. All I'm trying to do is just put some, some vivid imagery into your mind because that's what the Bible says is what's to come. Now, how do we get there? 
Because right now, that's not the case, that there is not representation from every single tribe, tongue, and language on the earth that's worshiping God right now. Thankfully, there are millions of people from a variety of different nations and backgrounds that are worshiping God, but not every single one of them yet. Nod your head if you understand what I'm saying to you, okay? So how do we get there? Thankfully, the word of God makes it clear. Jesus said, this is how we're going to get there. Matthew 24, 14. He says, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So keep that up there just for a little bit. I'll get to this, the last little phrase in a second. But here is how it's going to happen. The gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. Now, who's going to do that? Yeah, let's go. You know, I joked about this in the first week. You know that, that powerful prayer from Isaiah chapter 6? He's standing before the Lord, and he says, Lord, here they are. Send them. You know that prayer? It's the one you pray all the time. <laughs> it's the one I pray all the time. Lord, here they are. Send them. Thankfully, that's not what he said. Isaiah 6, he says, Lord, here I am, send me. The answer to that question is you and I. Again, it's going to look different for every one of us. It's going to look different. But we are all to engage with this, this, this thing, this passion, this burden that's in the Lord's heart, which is that every tribe, tongue, and nation would believe him. And guys, we live in the, in the hour in human history that we have the best chance we've ever had. <laughs> How easy it is to hop on a plane and go to some, anywhere in the world. It's amazing. Listen, even in the midst of COVID things, there were several of us, like a fourth of our church, that got on a plane and went to the Middle East. And we all came back alive. It's crazy. I brought my two children, two of my four children with me. And they came back alive. In fact, they loved it. In fact, they want to go back. I know, it's crazy. It's just so hard. But, like, we can do this. We can engage with them. And I'm going to keep going a little bit. And all I want to do, I want to emphasize the, just the simplicity of this message because sometimes we overcomplicate it. And sometimes we get distracted by other things that sound more appealing. But the simplicity is that God has made this clear mission for us. And, oh, man, I want us to be a part of a generation that sees that fulfilled. Because we're so close. We're so close. Now, let me talk about the very last statement. Okay? It says the end will come. So that he's given us this, this picture Wow, everybody from all these different tribes and tongues. Okay, not everyone's going to receive, but there will be representation from every single people group on the planet worshiping the Lord. How do we get there? His people are going to take this message into all the world. And then what will happen? The end will come. Now, let me just clarify something. It doesn't mean that as soon as the last people group on the planet, as soon as they say, I believe in Jesus, doesn't mean, boom, he's going to come. But I would submit to you that it does mean that until that happens, he will not come. Until every tribe and tongue and people and language have an opportunity to respond and receive the gospel, it seems like what he's saying is that's got to happen first, and then the end will come. But let me comment on this a little bit. The Lord's return and the coming of Jesus, second coming of Jesus has been a pretty hot topic lately. And I think rightfully so. We should talk about the Lord's return. It's glorious. It's, it's literally in um, Titus, it, it's referred to as our blessed hope. If you are a follower of Jesus, I think that his return should be something you think about often. Like it's not just like additional, you know, uh, 201 version of Christianity. No, it's part of the gospel. Like he's not just here to personally save us individually, but he's going he's gonna to restore all things. The whole earth, he's going to restore it all and make all things new. 
But anytime there's a worldwide crisis, what begins to escalate in the body of Christ is teachings on the end times. Okay? You've noticed that? I've been teaching some things related to the end times. In fact, the first series that we did when we came back uh, after taking a break and doing online stuff was this uh, series that I called Discerning the Times. And we read through Matthew 24, which is one of the most clear passages talking about what's, things that will be escalating in the Lord's return. And so rightfully so, we should talk about it. But I, I've been thinking about this a lot, especially connected to this series we've been doing, this clear command the Lord's given us. And that's this. Like, we can talk about it. We should study it because it's all in the Word of God. But I just also don't want us to get distracted from the mission that God's given us in the midst of learning about his return. And his disciples actually had a similar problem, okay? Look what it says in Acts 1. Acts 1, 6 through 8. This is after Jesus has died and then resurrected, and he's about to ascend to the Father in Acts chapter 1. And I just want you to see how Jesus, like, redirects them. Ready? His disciples said, hey, when, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Let me pause there. None of us Americans would say it this way, but these Jewish guys understood the prophecies of the Old Testament that when Jesus returns, it's not just this ambiguous like he's coming. It's like, no, he's going to set up a real kingdom in Israel, and he's going to rule the earth from there. They understood that because they knew the prophets of old and what they had taught. Okay, So that, what they're asking is, is this when you're, are you going to come back? You, are you going to come back and do this thing you said, the, all the prophets said you're going to do? Are you going to do this thing? Now, probably none of us would ask it that way, right? You understand? But it's important to know the history, the context of these guys, this understanding that they have. They're asking Jesus, are you coming back? When are you going to do it? Are you going to do it right now? At this time? In the year, what was, what was the year? About AD 30, 33? It's the same thing. Lord, are you coming back in 2020? Okay, didn't come back. 2021, you coming back? 2022, when are you, when are you coming? It, and I just want you to know, I ask the same questions. It's not wrong to ask those questions, but I want you to see his response because he redirects them into something that I don't want us to miss. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What does he redirect them to? He redirects them to the mission that he has given them, which is, hey, I'm going to send you out, not by your power, not by your might, but the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you out, and I want you to go be my witnesses. I want you to go make disciples. I've said it multiple times, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and I want you to go, and I want you to do this thing. Are you guys seeing this? So what does this mean? Don't study the end times? No. If that's what you think I'm saying, you're mishearing me. What I'm saying is that in the context of us studying what is God doing in this generation, let us not lose any fire in going and making disciples in all the nations. In fact, I would submit to us, let's kick it up a notch. Because if it is really getting closer, we've got a big mission we need to accomplish first before he comes. And if we, we have been given this mandate, we have been given this mission by the Lord Jesus himself with his authority and his presence with us. And let's go, let's take it seriously. And who knows, maybe it could be the generation the Lord returns. But we've got a big mission ahead of us that needs to be accomplished first. Woo, you tracking with me? I'm fired up about it, guys. You can probably tell. I just, want, I just don't want to go alone. I mean, I will, but I want to go with you. <laughs> okay? I'll go. But come on, let's do this thing. All right, so here's what I want to show you. In the context of this mission that's not yet fulfilled, let me show you what I mean by it not yet fulfilled. There's a, there's a map I want to show you that I showed you, I think, last week. 
and it's of these unreached people groups all over the world, okay? So the red dots mean those are the most unreached, and then orange, you'll see that a few times, minimally reached, and then yellow is superficially reached, which means there's some representation of the church, but doesn't seem to be that impactful to society. Then light green is partially reached, and then dark green is significantly reached. All I want you to do is just see, really locationally, like where these unreached, which means not a clear opportunity for the people that live in these regions to respond to the gospel. Tracking with me? Okay, where do you see a lot of them? India, where else? Give me another nation you see in there. China, where else? <laughs> that part of the world I don't know much about. That one, yeah. Ha <laughs> ha, it's good. Should be convicting for us. It's good. All right, let me show you some statistics here and some, some uh, data. Um, okay, this is a little bit of a projection. I don't know if we have a third. Do we have a third graph? Nope. Okay, so this shows some projections from some missions agencies, um, I think connected to this uh, initiative called Finishing the Task. It just kind of show some projections of what they're anticipating in regards to how much of the world will be evangelized and reached and by what year, okay? But I also want to give you a few other stats. Why don't you put that map back up there? Thank you. There, there was another slide that had some um, stats on it, but here is some numbers. There are approximately about 7,800 people groups on the planet that have yet to um, have an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Okay, someone say 7,800. Okay, 7,800. Now, the reality is that might seem intimidating, that might seem little. It depends on how, your perspective on this. But here's another stat that might be helpful to your perspective. You know how many churches are in the United States of America? Approximately. <laughs> 380,000. So there are 380,000 churches, gatherings of believers in just our nation. Now, I want that actually, just so you know, I want that to increase. I want to see more churches planted. I want to see more communities established in our nation, not less. So the point is not, wow, we have too many. No, 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 no. I want you to just connect the dots between how many churches, not just believers, we have and how many unreached people groups are left. 7,800. If literally like 1% of the churches in America took seriously the call to reach the unreached, just 1%, and we owned an unreached people group, we prayed for them fervently, we asked God, Lord, should, should I go? Should I go? Should I go? Then if he says no, then you start asking, should my neighbor go? Should my friend go? Should my life group person go? You know, start with you first. Okay? If we fervently sought the Lord and the Lord maybe highlighted or pinpointed one or two people to go and to make disciples there, how quickly do you think the Great Commission could possibly be fulfilled if just 1% of the churches in our nation took this really seriously? Now, here's the deal. The reality is, like, even with a church our size, I'm like, don't give us just one. Don't give us just one unreached people group. Give us 100, and we'll pray, and we'll seek God. We'll pray for these nations, pray for breakthrough, and we'll send all of you there. Like I told you, all of you are supposed to live in, the, in, the, in a different nation, right? Just kidding. Not all of us will, but man, what if we took this seriously? There could be a great harvest awaiting us. So all I'm doing right now is just presenting us with some stats to let us ponder and let us consider, like, what? How could this be? And I am... Um, intentionally want us to feel a little bit unsettled with some of these stats 
I do not want you to feel any form of condemnation because the Lord does not condemn us. He, but he does invite us into something that is within our grasp. It's like I think in your minds, you can see maybe it's possible if the, if the churches here in this nation just took this call seriously, maybe it's within reach that we could see a lot of these red not be red anymore. Tracking with me? Let's take a pause real quick and let's pray. Let's just ask the Lord for breakthrough in all these places. We've done this last week. I taught on prayer and praying for unreached around the world. But let's just do it again right now. Just another prayer. I don't think it's going to hurt because maybe the Lord will just continue to highlight nations for breakthrough. Maybe God will send visions and dreams and miracles, whatever he wants to do. And specifically, there's this prayer Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 9. It says, Lord, send laborers out to the harvest of the earth. Okay? So let's pray. You guys agree with me? You can pray out loud. You can pray quietly, whatever. But I want us to engage with this just uh, initially through prayer. And then we're going to hear some cool stories from other folks. All right? So let's pray. Lord Jesus, right now, we come before your throne. And we know that you love every nation on the, on the planet, every people group on the planet. Lord, it is your passion and your desire to see them come to know you. So, Father, even with this map right in front of us, Father, we ask for breakthrough in the Middle East. We ask for breakthrough in India. We ask for breakthrough in Northern Africa. We ask for breakthrough in the Philippines. We ask for breakthrough in China. Father, we ask you in the name of Jesus for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in these nations of the earth. God, would you visit people, these people groups that have yet to hear the gospel. Would you visit them with a touch from heaven? God, I pray that you would send laborers out into these harvest fields. Would you send out American believers to be willing to go? Would you send out African believers willing to go? South, South American believers willing to go to give up their conveniences and their comforts to be a part of what you're doing in the earth. Jesus, capture us, we pray. Capture us, Lord, for your purposes in the earth, for the great commission being fulfilled in our generation. Lord, do it. We pray over every um, church in America, including ourselves, our brothers and our sisters. Lord, help us engage. Help us lean into this. Help us pray. Help us give. Help us go. And Lord, I, I thank you that we can trust you you're not going to condemn us, but, Lord, you will clarify for us what our portion is and what our part to play is. And so, Lord, would you speak to us, even in this room right now, just speak to us about how can we engage in something like this. We trust you. We trust your leadership. You're a good shepherd. And we believe if we just step, keep in step with you, we keep coming to you, we're not going to miss your plan and your will for our life. But, Lord, we do want you to realign any, any part of our plan for our life that doesn't align with your mission in the earth. God, would you do it? Would you do it? We're your people. Here we are. Send us, God. So thank you for doing the earth. Thank you that these prayers matter this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Good stuff, guys. You believe your prayers matter? Yes. Look at somebody next to you and say your prayers matter a lot. Go ahead and tell them, just in case you're doubting. It's awesome. Hey, it's dangerous to start praying for the nations, though, guys. You better be careful. You better be careful. I used to not care at all about maps like this. And then I started praying and reading the Bible. All right, so we're going to do a little interview here. And um, so if you're part of this interview, go ahead and come on up here. Give it up for who we got. We got Kelly. We got Susan. We got Jeremy. Y'all give it up for these folks as they come on up here. stuff. Look at this good looking crew here. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I've got a list of uh, some questions that I want to ask these folks. They have had different uh, types of experiences in the nations, 
And um, I wanted us to hear from these folks. And, and purposefully, you're going to get to know them in just a second here. Purposefully, um, they have different backgrounds, different um, stages of life, just different uh, things that God's called them to do here in America. But I wanted you guys to see that, hey, it's not just some super spiritual person that can go engage and be a part of this, but it's everyday believers that can really engage in the Great Commission. All right? So I didn't think about the mic thing. So, hey, JP, I'm going to grab that mic and use that for me, and they're going to pass this mic. That sound good? All right, we'll start with Susan down here. I want you to introduce yourself, tell us who you are, and a little bit of of background, and then also kind of where in the world have you been, what nations. And you'll notice she had a little surgery recently, but man, what a trooper up here doing this thing, had surgery on her ankle a few days ago. Proud of you, Susan. Way to go. All right, tell us who you are. Hi, um, I'm Susan Ragsdale. And um, I'm in the second half century of my life. And um, I was born in Washington State, um, moved to Oregon when I started kindergarten. In my sophomore year, we moved to Idaho. Um, Then in my junior year, we moved to Arizona, where I graduated from high school. And then we moved to Waco, Texas um, for college, and I graduated from Baylor University there. Um, Became a teacher. That was what my degree was in. And I've taught for lots and lots of years. I'm now a fourth grade teacher in Eureka Springs. And throughout my life, the things that I've It's awesome. And I've been in Spain for two years. Now I'm in the Great Commission. And then I did a lot of time working in Brazil. Test it. Test it. Does it work? Anything? We got nothing? Hey, we're going to get it. We're going to get it. Don't worry. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. All right, my name is Jeremy, uh, y'all probably know my face, I'm married to Megan, and we have two boys, Beckham and Hudson, that we just dedicated two weeks ago. Um, as far as nations that we've been to, uh, we've been on a couple of vacations, well I have to France and England and Central America, uh, but I've also been to South Africa and Zambia and Morocco, the UAE, Bahrain and Oman. Nice. Okay, here, Kelly, use this one. Does this Morning. one work? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it's working. Go ahead, Kelly. I'm Kelly. I am 30, and that's recent. Hey, <laughs> um, happy birthday. <laughs> I recently just got out of an eight-year stint in the Army, and I'm working at J.B. Hunt in operations now, and I have been to South Africa Kenya, 
South Korea, and the UAE. All right, awesome. Okay, so we've got uh, a gal that spent some time in the um, armed forces that also uh, works at J.B. Hunt. We've got a young, hip college pastor and director of finance. <laughs> we got a fourth grade teacher who's been teaching for years. Awesome. So I want you to see this just a spread of different people and things that they do for their life, okay? But we're going to tap in a little bit to their experiences overseas, okay? So Kelly, we'll start with you. Uh, first, and all of you will answer this, but considering that you grew up in America, what were some things that shifted or changed in your mindset or perspective or worldview, however you want to um, think of that, through your experiences in other nations? Okay, what are some things that either got taught you or just mindsets that changed? Yeah, I realized that people were a lot happier than I was with a lot less stuff. Um, I remember in Kenya, I was in a very rural city in in a mountain that we had to like, there were no roads, um, no electricity, no running water. And I remember like trying to describe to them what a stove was because they asked me how do we cook our food in America and I was trying to describe what a stove was to them. And um, I just remember being so overwhelmed by the peace and joy that they had, and they all did their part in the village to help one another and to take care of one another, and it really just influenced me to reevaluate where am I getting my peace and joy from, and what am I putting, what am I relying on for my happiness, and um, because, like, in my American eyes, they had nothing, you know, and, like, um, and I, it just, like, really opened my eyes, like, that, you know, maybe I was putting my happiness in the wrong stuff. <laughs> and so, yeah. Yeah, it's convicting right there. Jeremy, how about you? What are some mindsets that shifted? Um, definitely the gratitude is a big thing. And just reframing what missions even means um, and realizing that when you look from the shoes of someone in a different country, they might not define their problem the same way that you would. And so just learning how to learn. Another big one is like, learning the difference between the American gospel and, like, the gospel of the kingdom or, like, the culture of America versus kingdom culture. And not, like, America's bad, but just realizing, like, oh, some things about how I grew up are not, like, inherently the way. It's just a way. And here's another way. And so just discernment of realizing what is, like, true bedrock truth versus um, things that are, are so... Uh, just based on my upbringing. All right, Susan, how would you answer that question? Um, So um, what I learned from going overseas um, is that when we share the gospel in another country, um, we have an authority that we don't really have in our own country. Um, I saw over and over again, just because we came from America, they wanted to hear our story. We weren't like whatever culture that was. We were not them. We were different. And so because we were different, they wanted to hear our story. And um, I, I was thinking about the verse Isaiah 52, 7, that says, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. And um, that's a reminder that we're stepping out of our country, our comfort zone and going to another place. But I think um, God was showing me this morning, he gave me a verse that this is even at a different level of that. Um, sometimes we really think, okay, I'm going 
I'm going to another country to share Jesus with the people. But honestly, um, the verse he gave me is, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure, which is knowing Jesus. And this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. And so I've learned that in going, we're like a treasure. We're a vessel. Not we're not a treasure. We're a vessel yeah. bringing the hope and the truth of Jesus with us. And that kind of ties with the how lovely are those um, feet that bring good news. And then I've also learned that when we go with other people, um, that we are... Um, like there's something in the discipleship that happens and there's something in the walking together in community that happens that is just really um, letting people see the love of Jesus yeah. also as we go. So That's awesome. That's awesome. Awesome. Great. Thanks. Thanks for sharing, guys. This is good stuff already. You guys taking some mental notes or if not mental, write these things down. This is really impactful stuff here. How many of you guys, let me just ask everybody else, how many of you have been outside of America at least once in your life? And it doesn't matter what type of trip. Anybody been outside of America? Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Now, let me ask another question here. So in the process of saying yes to different opportunities to go on mission trips, um, did you ever come uh, across any obstacles or anything that got in the way, or was it just easy every single time, just boom, you went, no big deal? So, uh, Susan, why don't you start? Any obstacles that came up when you, in the process of saying yes to go on a mission trip? Okay. Um, so my, um, my dad was a pastor when I was growing up, so they were so excited to see me go. I know a lot of people have the parents as an obstacle. That wasn't mine. They were excited. But um, money was always the thing that was an obstacle. As I was getting ready to go, um, I just didn't have a couple extra thousand laying around. <laughs> so I would always think, okay, I don't want to ask people for money. It feels weird to me. So I would start setting aside money, or I would doing extra jobs or sell things or try to get money to go. And then one time a missions pastor came and said, um, don't ever um, not want to let people partner with you in giving to go because um, when other people give you money um, so that you can go, and then you go to that country and people get saved. They get an inheritance in what you're doing yeah. because of that. And also, that's um, prayer people. If they're giving you money, they're going to pray for you when you're overseas, which is huge. Yeah. So um, it, God shifted my mindset. But, yeah, the money part was, has always been the struggle for me. Yeah. But the Lord provided for you every time. Yeah, awesome. every time. Awesome. Yeah. Jeremy, any obstacles? Uh, my first... Uh, mission trip that I went on as an adult was actually to Boston, which was not glamorous, and I had already been to Boston before. But to go on that trip, I had to decline an invitation from my parents uh, as a, a celebration for my older brother graduating. They were offering to take him and I, which they went, them three, to a two-week trip to Australia and New Zealand. And so I passed on the family vacay. And I did not list Australia and New Zealand as nations I've been to. I've not been there. Might never go. But I went to Boston and shared the gospel with college students. Um, so that was one. Also, fear of terrorism in the Middle East, of course. Um, one that feels like I actually feel pretty emotional about it is, uh, like, like, I guess, like, church opposition. Not, not like my church, but just general Christian culture that's opposed to missions of like either prideful of like why would you ever go on a short-term trip 
don't you know that that's bad? And they're saying that because they've heard that, not because they've experienced that. Or like, why would you go there when we have so much need here? And that one, sorry, that one just feels like hurtful to me because we do have a lot of need in America, but the opportunity is not the same. Like we saw the map, like, yes, we all need Jesus. And I'm not opposed. I, my first trip was to Boston, okay? I'm not opposed to mission trips in America. I've been to more mission trips in America than overseas, but that was just difficult for me to reconcile of like, man, how could believers be like opposed to sending help to the nations when we're the most Christianized nation in the world. And so that one was, it's still hard for me. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Kelly? Um, the first trip I went on, I had several close people that were unsupportive and um, very close people to me. And I was told very point blank, like, you're not called to do that. Which at the time, thankfully, I was very stubborn. I was 18 when I went on my first mission trip. (laughs) And so it just made me more determined to go and um, to prove them wrong. And um, I also was told by someone else that if God told me to go, then God could pay for it. And I raised money for my trip in two weeks. And, uh, yeah, so (laughs) after that, um, people pretty much, I wouldn't stop talking about it when I came back. And so people just, like, accepted that that was my life now. (laughs) I I just go on missions trips and do stuff for that. Um, But, yeah, it was really hard that, that very first time that I went and that I had to take that first initial step of faith to going and doing that. Um. But, yeah, I just leaned into it even more and was like, all right, I'm doing it even more now. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing, guys. So I want you all to see, I mean, it's pretty obvious, but there's opposition that comes. There's obstacles that get in the way if we start to feel like we're prompted to, to go and be a part of something like reaching the nations with the gospel. And, of course, the devil hates this. <laughs> he hates the gospel spreading to the world. Um, and so... Of course, we should ex- expect opposition but, and obstacles, but man, just these are three huge testimonies of victory. Like when obstacles come, it's not, you know, or fear comes, it's not like we're trying to be fearless. It's just how do we respond when there's fear? How do we respond when there's obstacles? How do we respond when money's not there, you know? And um, the Lord has given these three grace. These are testimonies of overcoming those obstacles and those fears. So, just be encouraged if you feel like, I, I want to do this. I've never done it before. I'm feeling uncomfortable. And you get ob- obstacles that come your way. You're in great company. <laughs> We've all had it too. So thanks for being willing to share this. Okay, another uh, question. We've got two more. Um, do you have, let's start with Kelly, any specific testimonies uh, f- uh, from someone's life in a different nation that was impacted by your yes and going on a mission trip? Any particular testimony? So when I was in Kenya, we were coming back on the last day we had lunch with the missionaries that we were there serving with and um, at the airport. We were at the airport having lunch and I just kind of prayed. I had some extra Kenyan currency with me and um, I had to buy lunch obviously so I just kind of prayed while standing in line for lunch and I was like, all right, God, after I buy my lunch, if I have enough money left over to send the missionaries there ran camps for kids and did like a lot of uh, children's ministry there. Uh, So I was like, if I have enough money to send a kid to camp, like I'm going to give I'll give it to the missionary after I buy my lunch. 
So, of course, like, I had exactly enough to send a kid. So I just, like, pulled the wife uh, to the side, and I was just like, you know, I just I prayed about it, and I really want you to use this money to send a kid to camp. And then I got on the plane, and I came back to America, and I forgot all about that because it was November, and, like, all the holidays were happening as soon as I got back. So I wasn't thinking about anything that happened in Kenya. But anyway, a couple months later, I got a message on Facebook, actually, from the wife, and she was like, hey, Kelly, I just wanted to let you know that we did send a kid to camp with that money that you gave, but not only that, um, the girl that we sent to the camp uh, had been missing an eye because she got it poked out with the stick while she was playing with her brother, and I actually, I have a picture with this girl while I was at, on this missions trip, missing her eye, and um, they used the money not only to send her to camp, but they also got her a glass eye and wow. so I just, it was really, it meant a lot to me just because, like, what I thought was like, doing a small thing of just wow. sending someone to camp, like, God just stretched it, you know, and he just, like, goes over what you wow. think. Amen. Amen. Good word. That's encouraging. <laughs> That's so encouraging. Thanks for being willing to, to do that. And you got your lunch, too. Praise God. <laughs> Let's go. All right, Jeremy, what about you, man? Any specific testimonies from a trip? You went overseas? Um, well, let me share one from Boston real quick. <laughs> Basically, we just talked to this girl, and, and well, I wasn't even in this conversation, but a good friend named Morgan was sharing the gospel with this girl, and this girl goes, wait, your name is Morgan? And Morgan, who I call Momo, <laughs> says, yeah, and she goes, literally, I've been feeling like for months, like I was going to meet someone named Morgan, and they had something important to tell me. Like, I've told my friends this. My mom knows this. Like, everyone's waiting for me to meet a Morgan. Like, wow. what do you want to tell me? <laughs> like, this is in Boston, you know? And so, of course, we got to share the gospel with her, and she was receptive to it. And I don't know, you know, I don't know long-term what happened with that girl. But one from the UAE is we, I lived there for a summer, and we planted a house church, mainly uh, comprised of people we met that worked shops and malls and people I played pickup soccer with. And... The house church still exists, and like one of the first, actually the first guy I met on day one of outreach, uh, there was a guy that was just in Dubai for two weeks that was with me. I wasn't even going to ask for this person's number, but the shorter term person was like, got his number, invited him to house church, and he became a leader of the house church and is still a leader within the network, and and that church has also multiplied, so now there's multiple house churches um, that started from a couple people that are there for a few weeks in the summer. Wow, that's encouraging. Susan, how about you? Any testimonies? Um, yeah, so in 1992, a team um, of us went over to Ulan-Ude, Russia, and um, we did outreaches um, where we would be on the street and um, worship until a crowd gathered, and then we would do dramas, and someone would share a testimony and share the gospel. And then after... Um, we would ask if anybody would like to receive Jesus. If they would, they'd raise their hand. And so with interpreters, I got to pray with a lot of people that got that wanted Jesus. And so um, not sure if 
um, you know, who got plugged in or not. But we did um, start a church that summer in, in Siberia that's still going today. Still going today. Yeah, it's still going. So that's awesome. And then um, I went to Nicaragua, and um, when we were ministering to some people one time, there was a lady that had a baby that had really high fever, and it had high fever for a while, and she was really um, worried about her baby. And so... Um, we prayed for her, and I laid hands on the baby. And when I laid hands on it, I felt just my hand just warm and tingly. And um, as I was praying, the mom was like, oh, my gosh, her fever just broke. I feel the fever broke. And, wow. and she got so excited. And then um, we said, that's the love of God. And um, so then she wanted to know Jesus herself. <laughs> so that was awesome. We got wow. to pray for her. And then um, the last one, I just wanted to say, when I lived in Spain, Spain is a hard, hard place for um, missionaries. And so we didn't actually see that many people get saved or we didn't actually plant a church, which is what we were there for. But I believe, just like that verse I prayed or, or shared before, where we are um, an earthen vessel that's carrying Jesus. And I believe that our feet on the ground in a place is affecting and shifting. Yeah. And as we pray over it and we do things, yeah. things are changing. But um, one of the things I wanted to say was I lived across the street from some prostitutes and just out, they were out in front of the building all the time. And so God really put those ladies on my heart. And so I brought them flowers a couple of times. I would just give them flowers and then I would bring baked goods and just yeah. always say hi to them yeah. every day when I walked by. And I could tell nobody, none of them ever said, yeah, I want Jesus or anything, even though I shared. But um, I could tell every time I said hi to them, their heads just lifted higher and they would yeah. always wave. And I think they just knew they were loved, whether or not maybe in heaven they'll be there someday. Yeah. But um, I know that us being faithful, bringing the gospel and bringing as vessels to those yeah. countries is huge. That's awesome. That's huge. Y'all encouraged by these testimonies? By some simple yeses, the Lord is literally bringing people to himself from all over the world and having these experiences and encounters with him. It's amazing. And look, I mean, on purpose, this, you're looking at four normal, unimpressive people, all right? And I mean, I'm the least impressive. These guys are amazing. But I'm just saying, like, I want us to connect the dots. It's not just some superhero that, that, be a part of this, that can be a part of this stuff, that we all can all right, so here's how we're going to close it out. I've got one more question, and then um, after you guys share your answer to this, go ahead and turn whatever you share into a prayer for our church, okay? So the last question is I asked them to think of, okay, what would be some advice or some parting wor words to you guys, our church body? What's some advice or parting words, especially uh, if you're here considering whether or not, like, your life is going to be a part of the Great Commission or ever going on a mission trip, okay? So they've got some parting words of advice for you, and then you turn that into a simple prayer over our church. So, Susan, we'll start with you. Um, so my advice to anyone thinking about going on a mission trip or to anyone that's not yet thinking about it would be more of a challenge than advice. In our lives, we often choose where to spend our money and our time, and I would say, to go is an act of obedience to the Great Commission. If you want more of God or to grow in the knowledge of him in a new way, to grow spiritually deeper than you would be able to at home, this is your chance. If you're a person that has told yourself that you couldn't do this because it's not your personality to, 
and fill in the blank for you because I know we all have that little thing. Know that each team dynamic is different and every gifting is needed to complete a team. God says in Ephesians 2.20 that he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You have giftings that are needed on a team, and I challenge you to go. So, Father, thank you, God, that you put within each of us that um, heart for you, God, that you put in each one of us, each vessel here, God, um, just specific good deeds that we would walk in. And so, God, I ask for that for each one of us, that, God, we wouldn't be afraid, that we wouldn't shrink back, that we wouldn't say, well, that's for someone else. But, God, we would say, Lord, use me. Here I am. Send me. So, Father, help us. Encourage our hearts. And help us, Lord God, to get that um, revelation from you of our part. In Jesus' name. Amen. That's awesome. A couple encouragements. Uh, God does not need you, but he wants you. Um, another encouragement is to, to not go as a savior, but to go as a servant, a representative, a learner, and a listener. Um, and the other thing is I just really do feel like with clarity in my own heart that it is, it is part of the calling of, of anyone in America to be a part of going low. I just know this theme that I see in scripture of God bringing the the high low and that those who are entrusted with much, that much is expected of them. And so there is no other nation with as much wealth as us, with as much favor globally, um, or with as much Christian history and just pockets of revivals and the, the wealth spiritually that we have in this country. And so for us to steward that with integrity before the Lord, I feel like involves us serving the least of these in, in our nation, but especially outside of our nation. And so I would encourage you, you know, I haven't been overseas since 2017, and I'm itching. Well, I got some little boys that I'm trying to, trying to do things with, too. It's been harder after, after being a dad. So if there's even a window that it feels possible, I'd say take advantage of every window that you can, because it's a part of what God wants to do with us as a nation. Let's turn that into a prayer. Oh, yeah. I'll pray. God... I just pray that you would you would have your way with us and hang on, I pray that we would we would we would go like you went, that we would learn from you, Jesus, and even your example in John four of communicating with the woman at the well, not um, just telling her all the things she needs to do, but coming and sitting and asking for a drink. God, I just pray that we would we would go to the places that seem hard to get to, that seem like you shouldn't go there, that seem um, difficult spiritually. And we would just just ask for a drink. <laughs> we would just be there and, and see what you might do. And so, God, I just thank you uh, that you're not, like, you're not stressed about whether you have us <laughs> in any other place. Um, but I thank you that you, you just honor obedience, you honor faithfulness, and you have a heart for many, many more people all across the world to know you. And so, God, I just pray you'd give us opportunities to get to be a part of that because it is not easy but God, I pray that you'd make a way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good stuff. Wrap us up, Kelly. What do you want to share? So the first time I ever went to South Africa, which was the first mission trip, my first mission trip, I 
was just overwhelmed with just like this supernatural presence when I was there. And we did a lot of children's ministry on that trip. And I just like was hugging those kids and like carrying the kids around. You know, they're just like on top of you the whole time. And I just like remember feeling like I loved them just so much that I just knew it couldn't be for me. This was not my love for them. And I really just felt like it was God's just loving those kids through me. And I was just the vessel. And just like feeling that much just love and just like joy that they're joyful and just like being able to be a part of that and to, be, to spread that. I just really would like to challenge you that to just step outside of your comfort zone, if you've ever just wanted to experience just a little piece of like God's love for the nations and God's love for all of his creation and everybody that he's made, like I really encourage you to go somewhere and just experience people who have never heard of him before, hearing about him for the first time. <laughs> and um, it's just, it's, it's life-changing and it's so, and it's humbling and it's just, there's, there's no negative. There's no negative. There's no downfall to just even going on one trip to just experience that for 10 days or anything. So I'll just, I'll pray. God, I just pray, Lord, that whatever seeds you've planted this morning, God, that you will just, I just Pray that you will just use what's been said this morning and the testimonies, Lord, that for those that maybe they're already active and they're serving at church and they're actively going to you every day, Lord, and they're discipling people, God, that they're looking for that next thing. They're looking for more, Lord. I just pray that their hearts and minds will just be open to just taking that one next step, that next further step. And Maybe there have been to mission trips in the United States, but just taking that next step to going to all the nations, Lord, and just wanting a piece of that command and a piece of that um, that great commission, Lord, and just seeing it firsthand for themselves, Lord, and just being able to experience you in a whole new way. And I just pray, Lord, that you just bless everybody here, Lord God, and that um, they will just be encouraged at least to seek after you and what you have for them in, in this regard, God. And I just pray all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, let's give it up for these three folks. Thanks for sharing. They're going to stay up here, and if you have any questions, ask them. They'll, uh, they'll uh, give it, yeah, just stay up here a little bit longer. If you guys have questions or follow up from some of the things they shared, just go ahead and ask them. That'd be awesome. But um, I want to just end with an affirmation to you guys. Like, we are a church that cares about uh, the Great Commission. And I just want to say I'm proud of you guys. Excited to be a part of this church. And uh, there's just, I just want to keep going. Let's keep going. You know, let's just use this as a reminder um, to keep this on the forefront of our minds and our hearts and our prayers and our conversations and, and making space, you know, not every year do you have to go, but just like being willing if the Lord calls you to do it. But you guys are doing that, so keep going in that direction. So give somebody actually a high five and say, keep going. Go ahead. Keep going in that direction. Keep going, babe. Awesome. We are um, still finalizing the um, locations for our um, summer trips, summer 2022. So stay tuned. Uh, if you are interested, you can let us know um, ASAP. Uh, but we are within just a few days or weeks of finalizing everything, but we plan on taking several overseas and maybe one stateside, and so be prepared for that. Sound good?
All right, we are officially done. We love you guys. Thanks for coming. And again, if you're a guest, stop by the Connect booth. But we are done with church. Thanks for being here. One more time, give it up for these three. These were just crazy testimonies. Thanks, y'all. All right, love you guys. Have a great day.